Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. All right, how many of you guys have been uh, enjoying this series we've been learning called Beholding Glory? And so today I think will be the last part, but I don't know, we'll see. I, I got some more last night and I was like, I don't think you could end this subject. We just might call it something different. Uh, but today is, we're going we're gonna to dive into part three and, and I'm so excited and I need you guys to, to listen like you've never heard these words before. In series, what's, what's in, we call it series, you could call it whatever, but the reason why we go back to um, <clears throat> the text or to the, the original message, the original verse of the series is because faith comes by hearing. And so if you've guys, this is probably the third time that I'm going to review the first couple parts, but this is like the 300th time that I've reviewed this verse. Do you guys get what I'm saying? And so every time the Lord speaks something new and every time my faith is increased because God is inexhaustible. You can't find him. You can't locate him. He is spirit. Say spirit. He is spirit and he is life. And so the more that we dig into him, the more we will find for eternity. The more that we search, perpetually we will find facets of God that are enlightened to us because he is inexhaustible. He is eternal. He is everlasting. So you can never know enough about God, but the more you know, the more you want to come to know. The more you see, the more you must behold. The closer face-to-face -face encounter, the more we are changed and the more I have to see. The more I have to perceive and behold. Amen? Can you guys do me a favor? If you're going to look bored today, then I'm going to look bored. So I know everybody is, what do you say? Just so I got Matthew, yeah. I know you guys are listening, but I need you to pull. Amen? All right. So 1 John 3, chap chapter 3, verse 2. Just write it down. And this is the, the text for our series we learned in part one. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. When, when are we children of God? Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. We may not know everything, but all we know is that when the appearing of the Lord, uh, when there is an appearing, there is a manifestation, phaneru is the word in Greek of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to look just like him. And, and can, I, can I just stop there and, and tell you something real quick? So... <clears throat> You guys remember when, when Jesus was 12 and he mesmerized the scholars by his questions. From the age of 12 to the age of 30, we don't hear about him. We don't hear, there's, it's, there's nothing really about Jesus in that time span in scripture. At least that was canonized in the, in the Bible. And so <clears throat> when, when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan, and he comes up 
And this dove from heaven comes down. The voice of the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was the first time, and I know we heard this before, some of us, that was the first time that Jesus was identified publicly that we know of. And so from the time he was born through 12 years old, asking questions in the temple, asking questions to the scholars, to the time he was 30 years old, he had to believe what he read about himself. And so we've learned that this book is not only about the lamb, but it's also about the lamb's wife. This book is not only about Jesus, it's about you in Jesus. And so I want to declare to you guys that you are a part of the story. I want to encourage you that you are a part of the book. And so what I would love to get into, if you guys would pull enough and be hungry enough one of these days, is finding ourselves in the word. Finding ourselves in the Logos. And the expression, Hebrews 4 says, everything is naked that's exposed and open to him to whom we have to give an account. King James puts the word account in there. It's just the word expression. It's logos. So God is after the expression of who he is in the earth. He's after this face-to-face encounter where the logos, the expression, the word of life is expressing back to him. And so the Logos came, the word was in the beginning, the word was light and the word was life. And the Logos came in the beginning and declared the kingdom is now, the kingdom is here. Say amen. He gave his life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and he created a whole new race, a whole new type of humanity that is the expression, the logos of God that are now not just reading a letter, but you are a letter read by all men. That you are the epistle of the living God. You are a letter of Christ. You are first Mark. You are first David, chapter one. You are first Ronnie. Chapter eight, praise God. You are an epistle of the living God. And so religion has blinded our mind to the belief that we need to succumb to all the things of this earth and all that we see. And we've become a hospital instead of a people declaring God's goodness. And so we don't like to talk about ourselves a lot. And so someone that's listening to all three parts of this series could say that, man, he's really talking about us a lot. He doesn't talk about Jesus. Let me, let me just tell you something. I am dead without Jesus. I am nothing without Jesus. My life is hidden in Christ. My life is hidden in him. In him. Ephesians says that he's gonna gather together all things in heaven and in earth in him. That means you can be in him in a heavenly place in earth. It's all in him. And so until we can see us in the word now and be be bold enough and not have this false religious humility of we always have to make sure people know we're talking about Jesus. The fact that I'm up here and the breath is coming out of my mouth, that means that my life is hidden in Christ. I have no other breath, no other anointing. I have no other vision. I have no talent other than Jesus. So when you come, when I'm coming up here to preach, this is the anointing of Christ that is ministering. It's not costy. And so we need to be okay with not living in a pretense of some religious thing that we think we should say and do in church. But until our life becomes the pages, 
Unless this becomes a life, it's a book. Unless this becomes breath, unless this becomes written on our hearts, it's a book. It's a historical book. This is not the word of God. This is a Bible that was made. Somebody sewed it together and printed it. And I've read Bibles that have misprints. It's not the Bible. The word is in you. The word is in your mouth that you may do it. And he's looking for those that are naked and open, ready to give their expression. He's looking for the Logos to reply back to him what he wants to hear. And religion will apply back. I'm not enough. It's only about you, Jesus. It's like if my wife came to me and said, I don't want to talk about anything or do anything that has to do with me. I constantly wanted everything to be about you. At some point, I would say, enough. We are one. When you're talking about you, you're talking about me. When you're fellowshipping with me, I'm fellowshipping with you. When we're talking about each other, we're naked and open to each other. Exposed. This face-to-face experience is what we must come to, and it removes all self. This face-to-face, presence-to-presence encounter removes everything that has to do with insecurity and self and false humility because you get lost in the other person. My wife knows everything there is to know about me. She sees me in all my glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. But face to face, when the word says we know him dimly in a mirror, how many of you remember 1 Corinthians 12? But then we will know him. We know him in part. We know him dimly in a mirror. We can kind of see a shadow. But when the perfection of love comes, we will know him as we are known. In other words, we will know as much about God as he knows about us. It's not just that we'll know about ourselves what God knows about us. We'll know about him as much as he knows about us. He said face to face. That means there's nothing in between. That means fully exposed, fully surrendered, fully vulnerable. Kill me if you're going to kill me. That's the the word naked and open in Hebrews 4. The word opens kind of a, 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 a grotesque word. The word open means when when somebody... Uh, back in the Old Testament when they would do crazy things, when somebody takes the neck and bends it back to where this part of your neck is completely exposed, you are completely at the mercy of the person with the knife. That's how intense it is. God wants all the pretenses removed. And one time I was in my secret place and I, and I was just talking to the Lord and I realized like I'm talking as if I'm on stage. Because I've been, I can't see now when I looked up. (laughs) I've been, Lord, help my eyes. All right. I've I've done this for so long that we, especially those leaders, we can fall into this pretense of coming to our father in secret. Say, my father. Jesus said, go to your father who is in secret. Close the door behind you. And so when we come to our father, that's our unique experience. That's the time that we are able to be face to face, exposed to exposed, completely open. And I went through this, this, uh, this season of my life where the Lord was correcting me in the secret place because even in my prayers to him, it was, my heart was right, but it was just the, you know, the, 
the the word says these vain repetitions of this religious type of of verbiage that we think God wants to hear from us, like as if God doesn't know, like as if God doesn't know our thoughts, as like as if God doesn't know our steps before, God doesn't know what we're gonna do or know what we're gonna say. He knows what you're gonna think before you think it. And so being open is this place of being like, Lord, if, I'm, if I am frustrated, I'm gonna talk to my father in secret. If I'm going through something, I'm gonna talk to my father in secret. There is some, some things that I can talk about with my wife that I will never talk about to any other person. There are some uh, frustrations, secrets, things that you can only discuss with a spouse or if there are only things that you can discuss with your father or mother, for those of you that aren't married yet, that you can't discuss with anybody else. And you know that they know you enough that it doesn't ma- really matter what you say. What matters is that you come to them. No, you guys, are you guys with me? And so I had a great relationship with my father growing up so much so that I would tell him so much that at some point he would be like, son, I really don't want to know that I was so bad at lying, thank God. And I would try when I was living in the world, living in sin, I would try to go and lie. And he'd be like, you're lying, go upstairs. And I'd be like, all right. <clears throat> but we had such a great relationship that I actually, when I fell, I actually want, that was the first, that was my, my hiding place. That was my first refuge that I could go to that I would go to my father and he would correct me and he would say, there's gonna be consequences, there's gonna be discipline, but I would always leave his office. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because it wasn't something I was carrying anymore. It was something that a father was meant to carry with me. And he corrected me without condemning me. And so sometimes we've had parents that condemn us and we think that's how God communicates with us. But God will never condemn you. I did not come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to convict you, change you, maybe discipline you, maybe prune you, maybe cause you to overcome, but he will never condemn you. And we approach him afraid to be naked and open before him because we think he's gonna condemn us because our father condemned us. But we need to understand that we have a good father. Say good father. And he wants you to meet him face to face exposed to exposed, naked to naked, nothing hidden, nothing covered, nothing shameful. Pastor Josh talked about it when Adam and Eve fell. He talked about it on Wednesday night that they, they, they weren't embarrassed. They weren't ashamed necessarily because they fell, or at least the text doesn't say that. It says they saw that they were naked and that they were ashamed. And then they cover themselves with fig leaves. How many of you know what fig leaves represent? Fig leaves represents religion. They cover themselves with religion. And that's exactly what has happened today. That instead of coming to him, they hid themselves and they ran from God. And, I, and for those of you that have heard Damon Thompson, he says, God always shows up for the walk. Remember he said that he shows up, he, he went in the cool of the day walking with them and he couldn't find them. And so even in their sin, God still showed up for the walk. So God was still there and it was their shame of their own nakedness, which they were naked before. It's with me. They didn't have made well. They were naked before. And so the religion of self covers 
And we can't have this face-to-face experience if we have a veil. We can't have this presence-to-presence, person-to-person, identity-to-identity, image-to-image, encounter experience with God with religious veils. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit can speak to us this morning. Say amen. As we behold his face. All right, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So in part one, we learned that the pure in God's, the pure in heart see God. How many of you guys remember? And that seeing him as love purifies our mind. I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't heard it, just go uh, go to YouTube. It's Beholding Glory, part one and two. It'll, it's all on there. Part two, we heard that the Lord <clears throat> told Moses, um, or I'm sorry, Moses cried out to God to basically not wipe out all of the Israelites. How many of you remember that? God was so frustrated. And this, this man, this Moses had such a relationship with God where he actually changed his mind. God wanted to wipe out the children of Israel. And he said, okay, Moses, because you've asked, I'll show them my mercy, but I'm going to tell you, Moses, that I'm going to fill this earth with my glory. How many of you remember that? And so we learned what that means, that the earth filled with glory, it's going to take Caleb's that have a different spirit, that, are, that, that believe that we are more than able. It's going to take Caleb's that, that pursue him fully. The earth being filled with glory, the glory of God looks like God's people seizing the life he has prepared for us. And we also learned that when he, when he uh, in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses asked to see his glory, remember he says, no man shall see me and live. That word man is the word Adam. So he was saying, no Adam shall see me and live. That's why your old life, your old Adam had to die. So you can see God. Are you guys with me? All right. So second Corinthians chapter three, that's just a really quick review of the last two parts. Go listen to it on your own. And we're going to read in verse seven. And this part is called the light of the glory. Say light of the glory. Chapter three, verse seven. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the men, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be not be more glorious. So even Moses in the old covenant was so glorious, he had to veil his face when he came down the mountain so the children of Israel couldn't see the glory of God on his face. And when he would go back up, he would take the veil off. Verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. So compared to the glory in Christ, that old glory had no glory because there is a glory that excels. In other words, there's a glory that is more exceeding, that word is. Verse 11, for if what is passing away was glorious, for what remains is much more glorious. I'm gonna declare to you guys this morning that what remains is much more glorious, that we haven't seen anything yet. I said, we haven't seen anything yet. For those of you that have been walking with the Lord a long time, you haven't seen anything yet. You are just getting started. I said, you're just getting started. What remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. 
unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steady at the end of what was passing away. But there, think about that. He had to veil his face for the sake of the children of Israel, not dying in the glory of God. And that was passing away. How much more glory do we have in these earthen vessels through Christ? How much more glory? So we have to understand the glory that's been given to us through Christ Jesus. We have to understand that the glory, the weight, the fullness that we possess in him. But their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the heart. Verse 16, nevertheless, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I pray all the veils are removed today. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord, that of the is actually not there. They just added that to make more sense. But it's really when, where the spirit Lord is. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is our Lord? He's not a, like a, a figure, uh, um, some theory, a ghost that comes and heals people and helps people walk in power. He's a person. He's our Lord. And so the spirit Lord is there. There is liberty. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say freedom. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. This is nothing you can do. This is the spirit that does it. Our only requirement is to behold. Say behold. This is nothing that we can do by our own works, by our programs, by our church services, our conferences. This is by the spirit of the Lord, but he needs a people that behold him with open face. Behold him without the religious fig leaves and the pretenses of what we think God wants to see. But even like me going to my father, even in our sin, even in our downtimes, even in our struggles, even in our weaknesses, we can behold him with open face. Because the beholding is what's going to change you. It's not going to be some sinner's prayer. It's not going to be some religious person. Beholding him is what's going to change you. And it's by his spirit. And the spirit is freedom. It takes away the striving, the planning, the, the, the manipulating to try and to become something when all we have to do is behold him. And that word behold is to see and perceive. So it's perceive is not just to see like I can see that exit sign, but to perceive that that exit sign means that if there's a fire, exit that way. You guys get what I'm saying? So it's not just physical sight. It's perceiving what we're seeing. And so the more that we perceive him in our beholding, the more that we become glory. The more that we perceive him, understand the knowledge. We're going to read in a minute, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, in the person, in the image, in the identity of Jesus Christ. We are changed into the very same image. It doesn't say we are changed into a similar image. It doesn't even say we're changed into a little image. We are changed into the very same image. 
I've said it for weeks. I'll say it again. Have I not said you are gods and children of the Most High? Opa, back there. <laughs> that really distracted me. No one walk over there barefoot. All right. <laughs> totally took me off. I have a very short attention span, if you guys haven't noticed. So when we come into this reality, it's freedom. Say freedom. When we come into this reality of beholding and not just looking at him, but perceiving him, that the human being that Jesus was, he wants you to be the exact human being. That they recognized him in the road to Emmaus. They spent all this time with him asking questions and their eyes weren't open until he broke the bread of his body. He has broken the bread of his body that we may consume him and become the exact same type of quality of humanity that Jesus was. But Jesus didn't let things of the world because Jesus lived in a different kingdom. This kingdom that he lived in is called light. Say light. And in him is no darkness at all. Colossians says that he conveyed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so we have to understand that we live in a kingdom that is totally different than this kingdom that we walk in on the earth. That in our flesh, we are here to dominate the earth. For the religious people, we've been given dominion. Same word, we've been given domination of the earth. We are here in the flesh to dominate what God has given us. And actually, the earth is groaning. Actually, creation is groaning, waiting. One version says, standing on tiptoes, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The overcomers of God, the ones that have had to fight and overcome some things, the ones that have had to stand up in the kingdom of darkness as beaming light. And so what, what will cause a shift to happen in our lives is when we understand that we are from a totally different kingdom. There's no darkness in this kingdom. There's no darkness in the kingdom of God. There's no shadows. There's nothing uncovered. There's nothing hidden. If I were to shut the lights off in this room, don't do it right now because there's people walking around. If I were to shut the lights off in this room, everything would still be here physically, but to our sight, it would be completely gone. You guys get what I'm saying? And so in darkness, nothing exists. And so this is the state of Christianity is our minds are blinded in darkness because we, we well, we're gonna read it in a minute, but we, we hear, the, the word says that the God of this age has blinded the minds. And so our minds are blinded by darkness, but God is waiting for the light to shine through. He's waiting for those that stand up that have the light that can illuminate and display what's been there all along, but hidden in the darkness. And so if the lights were out in here, these chairs wouldn't move. They'd be in here all along, but until light, until an illumination happens, we can't see what's been there all along unless you stub your toe on it. And so I can go to the bathroom or go to the kitchen in the middle of the night and kick one of the girl's toys like I do all the time and pray to God that I don't cuss. Thank you, Lord, or wake anyone up. 
praise your name, Jesus, and then go back to bed. I had no idea that was there because it wasn't illuminated. And so God is going to use those that carry the kingdom of light to illuminate the darkness. And so Jesus came as the light of the world. He was not, he didn't have light. He was the light. And so that's why the circumstances, the decay, the death, the sickness, all of it had nothing to do with him because he was of a completely different system. He couldn't help but light up darkness because he was light. He was a lit light bulb walking around. You are a lit light bulb walking around. And if you have fellowship with darkness, that means you've shut your light off. Light illuminates from a relationship of glory. Say glory. Glory manifest is light. Glory revealed is light. That's why the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' garments were as light and his face shone as the sun. How many of you remember? His face and his garment, it was light. It was the glory of God. Paul transformed, Paul blinded on the road to Damascus. It was the light of the glory of God that blinded him. And what's amazing is that the one who was blinded by the light is writing to Corinthians about the light. Let's read it. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose, lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse three, but even if our gospel, if our good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age. And we always we always say Satan, and yeah, he's a part of that, but the God of this age is, if the word age is just the world, the God of this world, the system of the world has blinded who do not believe. And so this is the problem with sons and daughters of God is we get blinded by the world. I'm not even talking about sin. I'm talking about we get blinded by all the stuff going on and just trying to keep up just trying to pay bills, just trying to get by. And we get blinded by the limitations of everyone around us. It's like the children of Israel listening to these 11 guys who said we're too small. They changed the mind of the entire nation and only one stood up and said, we are more than able. And so we are blinded because we don't believe and we're busy with world and Babylon. And this is not our home. This is not our world. We are of a kingdom of light. This, I believe, eternity will be our home, but heaven and earth, Revelation says, are coming together. Another day, praise God. The God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest or neither the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So good. The light of the good news of the glory of Christ. Someone say the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Are you the image of God? Are you the likeness of God? Then you are the glory of Christ. And this is what I'm talking about because immediately our minds go back to, no, Jesus is the glory of Christ. Are you in him? Are you a new creation? Has he set you free? Is Christ a many-membered body? Then you are the glory of Christ. 
You are the glory of the anointed one. And together as his body, we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's amazing. It should set you free. And this gospel, this glory, this weight, this revelation is light. It's beaming light that exposes. I want to know him as I am known. I don't want any secrets. I want to know everything this word tells me. I want to have the revelation of the fullness of God, that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation would live in me. The exposing of what's been hidden. Darkness is not just sin. Darkness is hiding. Something's covered. And so we, we, we have misconceptions and un, misunderstandings and we read it different because we haven't beheld his glory. So there's no light. We've behold the letter. We look at the letter. We study the letter. We can have doctrines in the letter, but the letter killeth. The spirit gives life. So unless through the spirit we read it and behold his glory, there's no light. There's not the light that changes. It can make you feel good for a season, but if somebody was saved and born again by Jesus, and I've seen it happen before, and completely walked away from the faith, that wasn't light. You can't walk away from the light because the glory illuminates light and it never goes to any other place. You never change. You become light rays in your being, but we have to behold his glory. So you are the light the gospel, the good news, you are the glory of Christ, the image of God and his image because his image has shined on us. Verse five, for we do not preach ourselves. So here it is for all the people that need to hear it. I don't preach myself. Say praise Jesus. But Christ Jesus, the Lord, you guys know that he is everything to me. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. This is the posture that though being, in the, though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant. This is the posture that I could be the glory of Christ, but I am always a bondservant of Jesus. And if he does with me, whatever he wills, I'm his bondservant. That if my life doesn't look like how I want it to look, I'm his bondservant. Isaiah 57 says that he's with those that have a humble and contrite spirit. That word contrite is that spirit that has been broken into pieces. God is with those that have been broken. God is with those that have gone through some things. God is with those that have been broken into pieces. And so when we have been contrite, when we keep this posture of bond servants for Jesus's sake, it gives me the boldness of speech, like Paul says, to say I am the glory of Christ because I've been broken. Does that make sense to you guys? I want, I want to make sure this is balanced. And so this is not like we're not walking around like silly Christians saying I'm the glory of the Lord, but we understand what that means. And so 
if you are beholding his glory, your life should always should always be beaming light, which means there should be something that is being awakened. There should be something that is being enlightened. And I pray that after today, that family members that don't know Jesus will be enlightened. I'm praying today that those in our community that don't know him or are wanting to know him more, that there will be an illumination. Matthew says that as lightning strikes in one side of heaven and you see the light of it in the other side of heaven, so shall the coming of the son of man be, that he may illuminate our hearts today. Somebody say amen. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite verses. So God who said, let there be light, that same light has shined in your hearts. That word hearts is your soul, your thinking, your mind, the centermost point of your being. So the let there be light, he has spoken it in your mind. Let there be light, the reverberation of the spirit of God hovering over the waters in complete darkness saying, let there be light. The power and the potency of that light is in you. The power and the potency of the declaration that has continued from the ages, let there be light. He says, let it be in your thinking. Let it be in the centermost point of who you are is light. My dad always talks about, has preached in the past that blood congealed is light. That if you take blood in its purest form, it becomes light. I remember at my uh we called her Tate at my grandma's funeral years ago. And I remember going up to the open casket and I was in line and I was crying in line and I was emotional and, you know, missing her and thinking about, you know, all the memories we had with, with her. And I remember getting up to the front and looking in the casket and all my tears went away. It was the weirdest thing I'm, I'm, before God. All my, like I stopped crying and the emotions went away because all I kept thinking was, that's not her. Like she looked totally different. And I know there's physical reasons why she looked different, but the light was gone. Someone say the light was gone. And so I, I immediately had this experience in that moment that my Tata is not dead. I had this experience in that moment that my Tata is as alive as she has ever been that she is without limits, that she is living in unending light, that she is in everlasting light. And that was just a shell that was left behind. And so it wasn't that I wasn't sad anymore after that, but it made me realize that the life is in the light. The light is in the life. There's no life. There's no light. This isn't my grandma. And it gave me comfort to know that she's alive. She's free. And so I want to declare to you guys that have lost family members, they're more free than you could ever imagine. They're more alive than you could ever imagine. And they have a soul, they have a thinking, a spirit where they can process in heaven. So they're not just ghost spirits floating around, but they are actually enjoying God's goodness. It set me free, so praise God. All right. Let's read this backwards, verse six. Okay, we're gonna start 
light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in other words, if we read it backwards, you could say, and I do this sometimes, it helps you to understand in context the verse a little bit, but the face of Jesus Christ is the glory of God, right? The face of Jesus Christ is the glory of God and the knowledge of that glory, knowing that glory is light. Read it again. The face of Jesus Christ is the glory of God and the knowledge of that glory or knowing that glory is light. And so I pray today that we can know his glory and that the light that is in us shines brighter than it's ever shined before. That word glory is is doxa in Greek and it means glory, praise, worship, splendor, brightness, majesty. It is the full weight the full expression, the full measure. It's the most glorious condition, the exalted state. Are you guys with me? The glorious condition, the glorious condition of blessedness. Doxa comes from the word dokeo, and if you can't keep up, it's okay. Listen to it later. Dokeo means to think, to be accounted, to be of opinion, or to suppose. So this is where doxa comes from. So from glory to glory, God is aligning our thinking and our opinions with his glorious condition, his exalted state and his brightness. Can I read that again? So doxa is the full weight, the exalted state, the the most glorious condition, the glorious condition of blessedness. It comes from dokeo in the Greek, which means to think, to be accounted, to be of an opinion and to suppose. And so from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're transformed from glory to glory. God is aligning our thinking and our opinions, what we suppose with his glorious condition, his exalted state and his brightness. And that beholding his glory, beholding that state until it overtakes me produces light. Beholding the glory of God is how light is produced and how what becomes a face-to-face bedroom secret place encounter becomes rays that change the nations. And so what becomes a face-to-face glory change encounter to where we are changed from glory to glory, that posture is never ending. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like that encounter, that relationship with God is eternal. So it's not like you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to behold his glory anymore. Now I'm just going to be light. No, we must always behold his face, the person that he is, perceive who he is, that it may consume who we are. And the result of that is manifest light in the earth to uncover that which is hidden. And so I believe that God is raising up sons and daughters within this house. Say amen within this hour that will be light, that will be the illumination of Christ to our families, that will be the illumination of Christ to our friends, that they have been blinded by the God of this age and they need somebody to stand up and open the light. Stand up, turn the light on and remove the bushel, remove the covering, whatever has been covering our light because we don't think we're good enough, qualified enough, polished enough. But if we gaze at the face of God, that is all the confidence and schooling and education and whatever else we need to be light. 
You don't need some theological degree. You need to behold his face and perceive it. Them that receive me have the power to become sons of God. Receive me, that means to take it on to myself. So everything I read about Jesus, I make it personal. People will think that's heresy. That's the plan of God. If you don't see yourself in the word, we need to adjust how we're reading God's word. And I'm not saying my self in my flesh, I'm saying my true self many-membered body, whatever that life is in Christ is your true self. So your shame is not yourself. Your sin, your disappointments, your failures, your going back and forth, your uh, disappointments, your manipulation, all the things, your anger that we fight through and that we go through, that's not you. But beholding him looks like being naked and open before him to the one that is Logos and giving our expression that when we were dead in sin, we were dead in our trespasses, that even in our sins, he gave his life for us. That when we were unresponsive, he gave his life. So beholding him can look like, God, I need you. Beholding his face can look like God. I don't think I look like you right now, but I'm going to continue to perceive you. I don't look like you right now, but I'm going to continue to look at you and tell you, Lord, help me with my anger. Help me with my incompetency. Help me with my, with my lack. Help me with my depression. Help me with what I think about myself. Help me. I'm naked and open, Lord. Do whatever you have to do. I'm laying down with my neck exposed. Do whatever you have to do, Lord, but I need to become your glory. And it'll take maybe eternity, but we will become the fullness of the glory of God. And his glory is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. You want a gospel message? Here's a gospel message. It's not that you're a sinner saved by grace. It's that you were once a sinner and that man is dead and you are the glory of Christ in the earth. I want to know him as I am known. I want to see him as he sees me. I want to be changed in my perception of who he is and not my perception of who I am. So I'm going to read this again. Verse six. I have no idea where I am. The Lord has took, taken over. So <clears throat> to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is my favorite verse. But we say, but we, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Wow. That word treasure is deposit of wealth. We have this deposit in earthen vessels. We have the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Here's verse eight where everyone skips through this part really fast. And let me tell you, being the glory of God in the earth doesn't look like some fake blissful life, but it gives you the confidence to know that no matter what we face, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't give you some fake uh, 
utopia life. It gives you the power to be light and understand that in every situation I am light, darkness has nothing to do with me. And that things in my presence either get illuminated, um, disclosed, taken out of hiding, or they get removed. So yes, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Verse eight, Paul is saying this incredible revelation. He meets the Lord on the road to Damascus. He blinds him for three days. He gets this revelation that you can't learn in school and he's writing these things. But even Paul said, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Not the devil, but it's for Jesus' sake. It's for the sake of his kingdom. It's for the sake of his purpose. It's for the sake of the establishment of who he is in the earth. It's not some devil. Compare the devil with God, saying he's the enemy of God that's bringing the devil to a very high place if he could be an equal enemy to God. If God is sovereign, the devil is a tool in his hand. Welcome to Risen Nation Church. For we, who, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Put anything else on me that I'm going through. It's for the sake of the kingdom. That the life of Jesus may also be manifest in my mortal flesh. Jesus, this is what we want. So then death is working in us. And Paul's writing this. He's saying death is working in us, but he's telling the Corinthians, but life in you. So Paul understood this principle of fighting and not knowing what's going on and being persecuted. And he's writing this for the, for the benefit of this Corinthian church that needs encouragement. They need discipleship. They need the word of God. And Paul in chains is writing that death may be working in me, but it's okay because life is working in you. The word says that if we behold his light, we have the light in us, we have fellowship with one another. I believe it's first John. If we have fellowship with one another in the light, that means the manifestation of this light is that it doesn't become about me. It's not just illuminating me for my life, but if it's rays of light that can open up pockets of darkness, that can open up hidden pieces of darkness that need to be illuminated with the life of Christ. And our focus comes off of us and becomes on another. Amen. All right. Noah, I need your help wherever you are. Are you guys learning anything? Psalms 89, 15 and amplify, just write it down. It says, blessed and happy are the people who know the joyful sound of the trumpet blast. Next week, we're going to we're going to blast some trumpets in here. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light and favor of your countenance or your face. The word light in 2 Corinthians 4, it, it simply means to shed rays, to shine, to brighten up, to enlighten or illuminate. And so his face is what shines. His face is his glory and which shines on us. Psalms 4, 
6 in the NIV says, Lord, let the light of your face shine on us. So I want you guys to go and study all about the, the light in his face and let him speak to you. And the word, the word face in Hebrew is the word panim, which is countenance, his presence, his person, his image, his true identity. Everything that you need to know about Jesus and yourself is in his face. It's his person. It's his glory. And that's why you can't behold it without being changed because it's light. It'll blind you. His face is light. And so when I've seen ministers, men and women of God that have spent hours with him, I remember watching my uncle Benny one time and his face was literally light. And he spent hours with Jesus and he came out in his face and I would think it was here in this building and I was sitting right here. His face was illuminated and it wasn't these lights. His face was light because he saw Jesus. And so when we see him as light, we become light. Are you guys with me? Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. In verse one, it says, arise and shine. Say arise. That means stand up. That means just stand up and shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon them. Is risen upon you. Read it again. Stand up and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has appeared upon you. Changes it. It's upon me. Point to yourself and say, his glory has risen, has appeared upon me. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people, but the glory of the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I'm prophetically declaring this over this house. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. When you stand up, it'll be brightness. When you stand up to all that God has done, when you stand up and declare his word over your life, when you see yourself in the word and stand up, from the place of rest and stand up into the place of fighting and pressing forward, the light will illuminate off of your life. So the God of all creation and creation itself is waiting for a people to stand up and illuminate, to stand up and shine with the glory of the Lord. It's what creation needs. It's what creation longs for. That word shine means to be luminous. It's the break of day. It's glory. It means to enlighten. And I love this. It means to set on fire. So he wants his people to stand up and be set on fire because the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Be set on fire, risen nation, because the Lord has appeared on you. Not on the preacher, not on the polished person, not on who, these religious people. God has arisen upon you. We've disqualified ourselves and we stay seated and he wants us to stand up. You should stand up. He wants us to stand up in the spirit, stand up physically and declare the light. Let the light shine and beam out of us the glory of Christ. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 
Isaiah 42, 16, I will bring the blind by the way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they did not know. I will make darkness light before them. So even darkness, God will make it light before you. God will turn every situation to work for your good. You're not hearing me. I say God will turn every circumstance, every situation, every failure, every sin, because he's a good God, everything. It'll work for your good. He'll work it for your good. He's not, listen, he's not the originator of those things, but he will turn it and work it for your good. He is not the originator of darkness, but as we step, he will illuminate our steps by the light that he has deposited in us. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the seed shall be turned to use the wealth of the Gentiles. I'm prophesying over this house. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels that speaks of abundance. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those of Sheba. These are wealthy places. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. I believe Donald Trump is going to come and declare the praises of the Lord. I believe Joe Biden is going to come and declare the praises of the Lord. God is going to take that which is wicked and make it light because his sons of God stood up. Arise and shine, risen nation. It's time to arise and shine. The glory of the Lord has appeared on you. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Neboeth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with the acceptance on my altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. Verse 19, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor the brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you in everlasting light. Wow. And God, your glory, the Lord Jesus will be your everlasting light. And God, Jehovah, King of all kings, King of the heavens and the earth will be your glory. Wow. We need to understand. Listen, when God said, let there be light in Genesis, he wasn't talking about the sun and the moon and the stars. Are you guys with me? If you read it, this, the planets weren't formed until day four. So when he said, let there be light, he was saying, let there be an illumination. And so the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So he was actually saying, let there be the one that is light, Jesus Christ. And those that behold the face of Jesus become the light. And so when we become light, we actually go back to what we were originally created in. All of creation was created through the light of God. That's why he is the light and in him is no darkness at all. So if we become the the kingdom of light, if we become light in the earth, nothing, say nothing, nothing can change that. Nothing can move you. No darkness of light. It has nothing to do with you. The devil has nothing to do with you. Stop giving him place. Sickness, 
bondage, disease, poverty has nothing to do with you. And so he said, let there be light. God saw the light that it was good and he called the light day, but there wasn't a sun yet. That's why he's called, he's the father of lights. James one, say father of lights. And all of creation was created from this light. The sun shall no longer be your light, but you are going back to what you were originally predestined to be. That is children of the day. You are the day of the Lord. Let there be light. And he called it day. You are the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is coming. I said, the day of the Lord is coming. And I believe we are gonna have a glorious appearance, but I believe he's coming in a people that are in this room right now. I believe that risen nation is gonna experience the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. And it's gonna be light and he's coming in the day. The day is coming. Arise and shine, he's coming in the day. You are children of the day. And he is father of the light. So we were one with Jesus in the beginning who was the light. So our beginning is light. John 12, we are called the children of light. First Corinthians 1 12, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is the whole plan and purpose of God from the very first thing uttered. Let there be light. He wants a people that live and be and walk in light. To where there's nothing hidden about God to me. There's nothing hidden to God about my life that is veiled. It's all lit. It's all light. No shadows, nothing blocking, nothing in between. A holy nation, a special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Adam lost the light, but there's a people coming that are called Christ in the earth. Lift your hands. Adam and Eve lost the light, but there's a glory coming that is called the glory of Christ. And those that come to the knowledge of this glory will illuminate with the light that we had with Jesus from the beginning. Bring us back to our original light, Lord. Let your light so shine, Jesus, that there wouldn't be a need for the sun, for the moon, for the stars, but the glory of the Lord will be a light to your people, God. I pray and declare in Jesus' name that every area of darkness in our life would be exposed this morning, that every area of darkness, every shadow, God, would be illuminated by your light, Jesus. Things that we've longed for to know for years, God, I pray that you would reveal them to us, Lord that we would not see you in part anymore, but we would know you as we are known. Let us be a new creation. Revelation. And they shall, there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. This is the new Jerusalem, Revelation 22. They shall see his face. This is what I want to end this whole series on. Close your eyes. Don't look at me, look at him. 
they shall see, behold, perceive his person and his name, his nature shall be in their foreheads. In other words, his nature shall be in their thinking that are even our thoughts are the thoughts of Jesus. Even our mind is the mind of Jesus. Our mind is the mind of Christ that I don't even have my own thoughts, but they're Jesus's thoughts. And that will illuminate. Listen, if we could get this truth, it will illuminate every hidden, veiled, covered part of your life. Questions you have will be answered the longer you perceive him and behold him. Let his nature, his mind be in your forehead. And here is the result of that. There shall be no night in this city. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light. And they, say they, that's you, shall reign forever and ever. Somebody say amen. Jesus, we want to see your face. Come on, every hand lifting. One more time. We want to see your face, Lord. Jesus, change us. Grab us. Grab our face, Lord. We want to be uncovered and exposed before you. Jesus, that we may change into your glory. Make resignation a light in the earth. Make resignation the kingdom of God. Make resignation Chicago the glory of the Lord. And resignation Nashville the glory of the Lord, Lord. Make us light rays that change and consume, Father, and disclose in Jesus' name. Bring us back to our creation that we were created in him, chosen in him that is light, and we are children of the day. The day of the Lord burns like an oven. Burn us up, God. Set us on fire. The day of the Lord is coming, and it is here in a people let this city never need an outside source of light, but come be our everlasting light, Jesus. In your name we pray. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.